0: Welcome to the EFC Podcast. I'm Karen Stiller. Dave Wells is the General Superintendent of the Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada. He is also a sports chaplain and has served as Canadian chaplain for the Olympic Games for multiple years, most recently just in 2016. He's been at the Pan Am Games and the Commonwealth Games, where he actually is right now joining us by Skype from Australia's Gold Coast. Welcome, Dave. Hi, Karen. Dave, Canada is reeling, as you know, from the Humboldt Broncos tragedy, losing now, as of today, 16 people in that terrible accident who are affiliated or part of the hockey team. I'm wondering where you are right now with Canadian athletes. How are they processing this tragedy? Is it impacting them?
1: Yeah, the athletes and team officials are certainly very aware of uh, what's happening back home. Um As one of the athletes told me just yesterday, there is this affinity they feel as athletes towards one another. And so it's impacting them in that very specific way of fellow athletes. There's also, of course, a Canadian team member who's actually from Humboldt. So it's pretty wow. close on that front, too. Um And working with the team officials, we decided that it was important that the team have a way to express their thoughts, even though they're over here. So as a chaplain, I worked to uh, put together a custom-made memorial book that uh, we may have made available in the team office over the last uh, several days here on the Gold Coast. And athletes and team officials have uh, been coming in and uh, signing the book and uh, the Commonwealth Games Association plans to make sure it's specifically delivered to Humboldt, to the Broncos, and uh, hopefully that their messages get through as well, along with uh, the many, many other messages of support for uh, Humboldt and uh, for the team and for all the people that have been impacted, especially the families, of course.
0: Yeah. I guess that we we really all want to do something, right? So, even signing a book of condolence can help us, the observers and the sort of participants on the fringe of this, feel like we're reaching out in some way.
1: Yeah, in uh, chaplaincy work, and again, um, the interesting world of working with both athletes but also major events where it starts up, it's so intense, and then it's over. Uh, that uh, when a tragedy occurs in the middle of that, um, we have discovered the very thing you're saying. There is that strong sense uh, we have to be able to express something, do something. I mean, we're hearing w- wonderful stories of people's responses and support. Uh, you know, I've been following them over here and. So, uh, for instance, in the Vancouver Whistler Olympics and the tragedy that occurred with the Georgian Luger, yes. uh right away there was a desire for response within the um, athletes' villages. Of course, some were friends, uh, some were competitors, some were going back on the very same track that he'd been on. And so um, the organizers uh, working with ourselves and counselors uh, needed to respond immediately and give people an opportunity to somehow express and deal with their grief even as they had to continue on and so we at that time set up uh, memorial rooms and had a place where they could go and ponder privately for a short period of time in our faith centers and then they uh, would sign a memorial book and Mr. Furlong actually took those books and gave them to the family um, a few weeks later. So. This is kind of a way, especially related to athletics and major events that uh, it gives somebody tangible way to express their own grief, to deal with it, but also to express their condolences back to those that have suffered loss.
0: Yeah, if uh, thinking of a chaplain in Saskatchewan right now, working with the families, working with the surviving team members, what would be their main concern Right
1: now? Well, having dealt uh, with those going through bereavement uh, and connected to sports, uh, I mean, ironically, my first um, involvement as a sports chaplain, where I was actually uh, within the village, was uh, a Commonwealth Games back in 1990. And one of our Canadian um, athletes uh, suffered the loss of her dad suddenly back home. And in dealing with that, um, you begin to realize that, uh, the, the need is for, to walk people through the moment, you know, the, the, the moment that they're in. Um, I mean, the strong sense that they're not alone, that there's people surrounding them and that they are supported. And, um, uh, you know, teams, uh, historically, uh, I've done a pretty good job of uh, ensuring that uh, broader support is felt to those walking through loss. And, um, I just look at Humboldt, I look at their uh, chaplain who's also a pastor in the community, I, I look at the broader support of the community that's there. And just that first sense of you're not alone and there's presence. And for those who, of course, have Christian faith, the uh, strong emphasis that, uh, God's all around them and his presence is very real to them. Uh, So presence is the best gift we give uh, in whatever way we can express it at the front end. And uh, the question then goes to the ongoing support. As many of us know, having walked through uh, grief and uh, then something this large, it's even more pronounced that... uh, the ongoing support that needs to be there. So uh, even with the funding that's occurring, I'm sure a strong portion of the funding will be uh, earmarked for ongoing, you know, counseling support, pastoral support, other means, uh, and then the very pragmatic things that need to be looked after as well. So it's, uh, it's important to understand uh, the power of presence, the importance of the moment, and uh, especially day by day at the beginning, but also the need for uh, continuity and sustaining the care in the uh, days and months ahead. And, um, you know, it's uh, an interesting thing because there will be no master care uh, controller of this as far as organizationally it will be a case that you know families uh, will individually need those who start to come around them and make sure that they get the support they need and on and on it goes yes so the sensitivity to i i personally know we have uh two pastors that were right on the scene um the night of the tragedy one actually ended up at the accident site as a Chaplain in support of the RCMP and the other as uh, helping first responders in the nearby hospital and uh, We're already dealing with how do we continue to support? uh, these uh, fellow pastoral leaders because It's pretty clear. They've already been deeply impacted by the reality of what they've experienced Mm -hmm. and yet They need to themselves continue to provide care for the people. They're called to serve
0: yeah, I was I mean you I'm sure you've seen the the footage of Pastor Sean Brando uh speaking at the vigil gathering and just how honest he was and you know real is people are talking about how real he was and I I thought that was such an incredible witness to like his humanity and his faith um being you know still present Co- coexisting with such deep grief, and I wondered how you responded to that. I it, people in Canada really responded well, I think.
1: Yeah, I um I intentionally uh, had my own period of time here when I got back to the place we're staying, and I saw that that clip was available, and I kind of uh, myself went away for an hour, and uh part of what I did was to make sure I watched that full clip and I let the tears come and uh, you know uh I've stood in that place in not quite so traumatic uh, a context, but still we know what it is to be the caregiver when there's just the unexplainable, and he explained it uh the unexplainable so well and um And yet uh, the undergirding of faith that's still there and um, what a tremendous, uh, I think, uh, picture of uh, what people don't always give the Christian faith credit for is that, uh, yeah, we do engage our pain and our doubts and we don't live in denial and we are human and we do walk through these things um, asking the why questions. but as uh, one of my friends uh, shared in a context where we had lost a young woman in a terrible tragedy, he said to the congregation, So it's not wrong to ask why. Of course, we ask why. But in the end, the question is not why, but who, yeah. who do you go to? Uh, who's your strength? And um, how is it that we know someone who makes all things work together for the good? And, uh That can sound so glib when you're in the middle of tragedy, but when you have actually walked through tragedy and walked through grief, uh, you realize what an anchor, and I think he presented that so very well and so real, like you say. I noted that some of the media picked up on the doubt component, but we're a little uh, short on emphasizing uh, where he landed related to still that who component and that faith component but uh, but for those of us in the christian faith we understand exactly where he landed and we know it to be true
0: yeah and it really struck me dave when you mentioned earlier about the power of presence Um, Because sometimes, of course, when we're uh, helping people who are grieving, we say stupid things, right? (laughs) Or things that aren't super helpful at the moment. Um, And so there's, I think for me, at least, there's a lesson there in saying there's not a good answer to why right now, but I'm here with you. And, you know, being Christ in that situation, And I guess that's such an important part of what chaplains do.
1: Yeah, and uh, it's the privilege. I mean, the privilege of presence uh, uh, to give away one of our secrets in uh, in games chaplaincy. Uh, we emphasize for our chaplains to loiter with purpose.
0: Mm, I love that.
1: <laughs> and part of that is uh, your presence, and and um, for those of us who are. Followers of Jesus, uh, we believe in divine appointments, divine encounters that are intended primarily for us just to express presence in people's lives. And it's amazing, of course, where, where conversations go or opportunities you've had. I mean, as recently as yesterday, again, I know that experience. And uh, so you know, I think chaplaincy especially is a great uh, educator in the power of presence and just knowing. And sometimes it, it's a responder role. So the words uh, end up being in response to what is in that person's um, heart and mind, the questions they have. And, you know, then it's not so glib, right. if you want to put it that way, that you're just throwing words at people. You're actually responding to how they're engaging you in what sometimes is clearly a divine appointment. And that's what I pray for throughout this tragedy, of course, starting right at the nuclear core of the team, but then spreading all the way out across the country, really, is that people will have those uh, opportunities for just providing presence um, in the middle of perhaps divine appointments where conversations happen that normally might not happen, where people are asking questions that normally might not be asked. And uh, for followers of Jesus, just to be open and available to that and uh, respond, you know.
0: Dave, as we, as you know, you've been a pastor for a long time and you've been a chaplain for a long time, and I'm sure you've walked through many situations of tragedy uh, by now. And so as we cast forward the next few months, how can the church, support these families who are going to be moving through such grief uh, for a long time, but how can we practically and spiritually come around these folks?
1: Yeah, I think uh, working from the more general and coming to the more specific, um, I think um, the Christian community needs to continually remind itself of the power that there is in our unity and especially our united prayers. So, if uh, we uh, make the decision not to forget, if we make the decision to regularly band together and to pray um, regarding uh, the people specifically impacted by this tragedy, their families, and so on, but also what's happening then within our country and the questions that are being asked and the uh, the desire to see people know a living faith that can walk them through these horrific moments. Um, I think that's the more broader and I'm serious about that because um, I know in our denominational community, we take very seriously about the call to prayer and the consistency of prayer. And um, so we're, we're certainly keeping that in mind and to do that with other brothers and sisters in Christ is just so important. Then to the specifics is I think we do need to, uh, whether in our individual faith communities, uh, local, right through to our own families and uh, individually ourselves, we need to be alert to who are we connected to, who do we know, what can we do on an ongoing basis so that this isn't just a beautiful outpouring of um, support and emotion at the front end and even finances, but in the long haul, uh, how do we still provide presence? How do we still provide uh, the pragmatic things that help families and that help people walk through the impact? Um, and so, you know, I just believe there's literally millions of Canadians spread across the country that will have these opportunities for practical, prayerful, uh support to be offered and uh, everyone needs to be cognizant of what their opportunity is to keep stepping forward and uh, be alongside of people and uh, make a determination to find the time and to make the effort to keep this on the front burner of their lives. And uh, to be supportive of others who are maybe even more frontline, like I mentioned earlier, we're certainly working with our district in Saskatchewan about to maintain the support for these that have already been on the front lines and are going to have to be there for uh, weeks, months, even years to come, and yet need support themselves. So what's those, it comes back to, in our circle, who are we responsible for?
0: Yeah. Dave, thank you so much. Thank you for joining us from Australia.
1: Thank you, Karen. Thank
0: you for listening to this podcast to listen to more and to subscribe to Faith Today, Canada's Christian magazine, please visit www.theefc.ca forward slash faith today.